Well, good morning, everyone, well, once again, and it is really amazing to be here. I can't believe, however, that I've waited 18 months to be here, and there's nearly nobody here. <laughs> but it is lovely, notionally, to see all of you out there, and it is lovely to see those very special people who are here. Now, Anil very kindly said that I could preach on anything I liked, and uh, I immediately knew that I wanted to preach on Psalm 23. And then I discovered that you had already had a really fabulous sermon not very long ago from Rob. Uh, I'm really sorry, but I'm still going to do Psalm 23. And I did listen to Rob's sermon. Um, thank you, Rob. I did really enjoy that. And I've tried to um, fashion my sermon to complement that. So if you haven't heard that one, I would encourage you to go back on the website and have a listen to that and perhaps um, read the two sermons in tandem. Because I, I think they complement each other well. So I've been thinking a lot about Psalm 23 recently. As Emmanuel mentioned, I've been working one day a week at the hospital in the chaplaincy. And Psalm 23 does come up a lot. I have to confess, now and again, I wish it would be something else. But no, it's always Psalm 23. A lady who I was speaking with recently said to me, was it not the most difficult job to do, to be with people in their darkest hours? And when I thought about that, I realized that, no, it wasn't. It really was one of the best jobs to do. And I feel as if I'm entering into a sacred space when I sit with someone in the hospital and talk with them or read the Bible or pray with them or just sit and hold their hand. It really does feel like a sacred space. And I'd like to start this morning by sharing a couple of observations about what happens in those sacred spaces. Psalm 23, whether I sit and read it in a quiet side room, or on a busy ward, or in the hustle and bustle of ITU, something happens when we read Psalm 23. I've noticed that however calm I think I am as I sit and start to read, and believe you, I'm sometimes not very calm, but I deliberately try and calm myself and sit to read. But no matter how much I do that, when I get to verse 4, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, in the old translation, whenever I get to verse 4, something happens. My breathing changes it's as if the Holy Spirit interrupts and steps in. And time and again, the patient's breathing changes. It eases or slows or responds in some way. You might try to try for yourself, maybe, reading Psalm 23 at home, quietly but out loud to yourself every morning for, say, a week and see how your body responds to it. My second observation is that people need presence. We need presence so badly that it becomes really quite desperate at times. Now, you might think this is obvious. I mean, what do we all do when we're frightened or sad? What does a young child do? 
It runs to its parent, throws themselves in their arms or grabs hold of their legs. And what do we yearn for? In this pandemic, what is it that we have most missed? The hug of a loved one, an arm round us. I yearn for the touch of my new grandson who I've only held a couple of times. One night in the hospital, I was called in. A patient was dying. And in his pain, he was shouting at me and ranting. But he was holding my hand so tightly that it hurt. Don't let me go, they said. Don't let me go. Desperate for presence. We don't want to be alone. We need presence. So with those two observations in mind, let's dig a little deeper into Psalm 23. So what is it about Psalm 23? Well, Psalms are, of course, poetry. And Psalm 23 is a beautifully crafted poem. It's important to remember that, isn't it, that it's poetry. I don't know if any of you watched the Biden inauguration and listened to Amanda Gorman read her poem. It was just a precious moment, I felt. Nations held their breath. Maybe you couldn't catch all the words, but it didn't matter, did it? You knew that it was an important moment. Something was happening. Poetry speaks not just to the mind and to the intellect. It gets into our body almost before we can help it. It cuts through our defense ne mechanisms. You know, that logic that kicks in and defends us. We love to erect reasons not to listen, not to trust, not to believe, not to acknowledge. We like to rationalize and keep things at arm's length. But poetry cuts right through that and gets to our gut. We don't even have to hear every word to understand the sense of what a poem is saying. And psalms are poems. And to borrow the words of Stevie Wonder, they are songs in the key of life that speak to our experience so powerfully. So what is it about the poetry of Psalm 23 specifically that connects so powerfully? Most of us spend a lot of time being unpresent to ourselves. Our lives are busy, we are outward people. We attend to our physical needs, our wants and those of others. Food, education, jobs, health, comfort, pleasure. Nothing wrong with any of those. But we are not the sum total of what we do. We are so much more, we are spiritual beings. Life rushes by, doesn't it? It's always something to do, usually someplace to go. Things happen, but on we go. There is hurt and pain and loss, as well as excitement and adventure and pleasure in so many ways. But on we go, on and on, always moving on. When do we ever get to be present to be present to ourselves, to face our lives and ourselves, who we are, who we have become. When are we ever present 
to ourselves. And if we are, is it bearable? We need something to help us with this. And this, I think, is what Psalm 23 does. It allows us to be present to ourselves, to our whole lives, the green pastures and the waters and the dark valleys. It gives us permission for our struggles and our pain. It allows us to be present to our lives and present to our deaths. When we can do all that, we become so much more whole and restored and healed and ready for the future. Psalm 23 does that rare thing. It helps us to be present to the future, that scary thing that we don't like to talk about because none of us can predict our futures. It's deeply uncomfortable. But Psalm 23 helps us in this. It names for us a hope for the future, a table laden with good things and a cup overflowing, despite the dark valleys that we go through. Now, I wonder if you had to put into words how you have felt this last year, what you might say, what questions you might have asked yourselves, and what meaning, if any, you have grappled with. I have felt quite challenged as a Christian about what I have to offer people overwhelmed in this pandemic, facing such loss, and not just the loss of loved ones, tragic as that is, but all sorts of loss, which we've all faced in different ways. The loss of human contact, of the richness and taste of life, of love and comfort of a hug, or perhaps the loss of rest, of solitude, of freedom or hope. In this last year, the normal trappings of church have seemed to me at times empty or trite. Too many words, too many ideas, too much noise, even for me. I felt really challenged by this. What can I offer, I have felt to myself. What can I offer that makes meaningful sense to others? And God spoke to me. You have me, he said. You have me with you. My presence, and that is enough. That is everything. God with us. Emmanuel, Jesus. This is what I believe people grasp in a poetic way, as they hear the words of Psalm 23. You have me. God's presence alongside us in the pastures and the quiet waters and in the darkest valleys. And if we know he is with us in those, then we can trust him that he is with us as we step into the next stage of our journey the journey over the threshold of earthly life and into a future. Psalm 23 is a psalm of trust. In that moment, when I pause and my breathing changes at verse 4, the focus changes from the past to the present. 
and then on into the future. And it's made bearable by God's presence with us. But you may ask, why can we believe that what the psalmist offers us is true? What if it's just an emotionally powerful poem to make us feel good, feel better about the difficult things of life? Well, I invite you to consider the journey that Jesus himself took. Listen as I read this short reflection from the priest and academic John Bell. It's a contemporary reading of an ancient Easter Sunday text, and it sets extracts of the gospel alongside the verses of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, and I am willing to lay down my life for them. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me to waters where I may rest. He revives my spirit. Jesus, never any time are you going to wash my feet. Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you will no longer be my disciple. Then don't just wash my feet, Lord. Wash my head and my hands as well. For his name's sake, he guides us in right paths. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Even if I were to walk through the valley of deepest darkness, Gethsemane, even if I were to walk through a valley, Golgotha, even if I were to walk, they stripped him and whipped him and spat on him and hit him over the head and led him out. I will fear no harm, for you are with me. Your staff and crook strengthen me. You spread a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You spread a table before me in the presence of my enemies. One of you sitting here is going to betray me. Lord, is it me? Lord, is it me? Do what you have to do, Judas, but do it quickly. You have richly bathed my head with oil. It's a waste. It could have been sold for a fortune and the money given to the poor. You'll always have the poor with you, but you won't always have me. What this woman has done was to prepare me for my burial ahead of time. She has done something fine and beautiful. You have richly bathed my head with oil and my cup runs over. Father, take this cup of suffering from me. It is possible for you to do that. Nevertheless, let it not be what I want, but what you want. Goodness and love unfailing, these will follow me all the days of my life. Lord, where are you going? Where I'm going, you cannot for now come, Peter, but one day you will. 
and I shall live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. In my Father's house there are many rooms. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come back and take, myself to, take you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. Can we allow those words to sink in? The outworking of Psalm 23 in Jesus' life. Jesus washing us clean. Jesus lighting the way to God the Father. Jesus in the darkest valley on the cross. Jesus at a table offering bread and wine. Jesus anointed with oil running over. And Jesus inviting us to his Father's house. Jesus with us. Because of his life and death and resurrection, we can trust God for future. And as we trust in him in this moment of this day, God is with us. Whether you're in green pastures or dark valleys, he leads us, opening the way through to the table laden with good things. And what will this mean for each of us? Green pastures or dark valleys for us? A clear path or a rocky one? Putting your hand in God's hand and trusting him, perhaps over the threshold of earthly life itself. God with you, whatever your circumstances, past, present or future. Pause for a moment and picture God with you at your side in your daily life. And he says to you, you have me. This offer of God's presence with us is not just for us. It is for everyone, for the whole world. To return to the hospital, Many of the patients I see have little or no faith, and yet the presence of God meets them in Psalm 23, sometimes in the last hours of their lives. And it offers them an opportunity to trust God, even in those last hours. And it's an opportunity that many people are unaware of. The assurance of God's presence with us in the world, in our struggles, our joys, in life and in death is what so many are searching for. So as I close, can we pray that we would be able to know the presence of God with us in our own lives day by day and to share it with all those who are searching. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the words of Psalm 23. We thank you for your presence with us in life and in death and beyond. We thank you that we see those words fulfilled in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. 
May we and all who seek after you know your presence with us in green pastures and in dark valleys. Help us to trust in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus to bring us to a future in your presence and inspire us to share with others the promises of Psalm 23. In Jesus' name, amen.